One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that Jesus was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You've judged rightly. Then, turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown me great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. The word of the Lord. Just stop, right? Yeah, stop. All right, now go back a little bit. Yeah, just move back a little bit. Okay, right there. All right. Now, just look at this scene now, okay? 
I mean, just so this makes sense, all right? Just so you can get the picture in your mind. I'm waiting to stop here. So Jesus is laying down. Well, reclining. I think reclining is probably a better word. Yeah. Reclining is better. He's laying on his side, propped up on his uh, left elbow. And his right hand then is free to, like, sort of gesture and, and eat. Right? And he can eat with it. He's laying at a table. You know, that's how they did it, I think, back in the olden times. They laid down to eat. Um, and across the table is Simon, the Pharisee. And the room is dark. You know, I mean, it's probably not true that the room is dark. It's probably not true that it's really even a room, a proper room at all, really. You know, it, it might very well be just like some sort of courtyard thing or whatever. I, I don't know. And it's probably not dark. Um, but in my mind, it's dark. The scene is dark in my mind. Um, the room is set in this sort of like, um, like mental curiosity or something. The table and Simon and Jesus are kind of in the light. I mean, it's not really lit up very bright at all, you know, but they're sort of in, in the light part. It's not a bright light. I don't know how you can judge degrees of brightness in one's mind, but in my mind, it's not that bright. And then all around them, you know, is this sort of, it sort of fades into blackness all around them at the edges, you know? I mean, see, it's not even darkness, right? It's blackness, right? I mean, this isn't like, you know, the, the subtractive color system. It's the additive color system, you know? It's full and dark. And it's only Jesus and Simon at the table, and all around them it just moves into blackness. It's an odd thing how this scene plays out in my mind, you know? It makes me wonder, like, I mean, maybe that's just how minds work or something. I mean, you think, you think of a thing that's described to you, and you think of nothing else, right? Like, maybe then the blackness is, like, not my fault, my mind's fault. It's, like, the writer's fault, you know? Because, well, I mean, I shouldn't say fault. It's the writer's responsibility. I mean, Luke says, Jesus... Simon, and so that's what appears in my mind. My mind doesn't, like, look around the room, right? My mind doesn't look around the room and put pictures on the wall, you know? I mean, I don't know, or a table, or an end table, or a plant in the corner or something. And, oh, but wait a minute, the table is there. My mind puts the table there, you know, because that's what part of my curoscurian image, right? It's bright, and they're at the table, and then it fades into darkness, um, which is weird because, you know, I put this table right in the middle, with, and Luke doesn't even mention the table. And I put the table there. I guess the table's implied if they're, like, reclining or eating. I don't know. My mind needed a table somehow, you know? Luke says Jesus went to Simon's house to eat, so there must be a table. I mean, truth be told, Jesus used to be sitting in a chair at a table in my mind. You know, before I found out about how the olden times when they laid down to eat. You know, when I learned that, you know, the situation how people reclined to eat at the table back then, you know, and that they didn't sit on chairs, you know, my mind got rid of the chairs and lowered the table. 
It's funny, when Jesus was sitting in a chair at the table, the whole room was brighter. I know, it's weird. Yeah, the whole room was, was brighter, you know? And, well, you know what's weird? I guess, you know, I guess it is true that my mind does put pictures on the walls and couches and end tables. You know, I mean, if I know it, if I recognize it, you know? Because I'm remembering now, like, this one time when Scott Bulow... Um, when I was like 23, and he was telling me a story, and he started by saying, you know, I was in my apartment listening to records, and there was no chiaroscuro in my mind when Scott Bulow said that to me. I mean, the whole room was light. My mind gave him a technique turntable and records on a shelf, about 30 records, like, leaning in a stack against the shelf, and an old cracked light cover you know, over the overhead light and Scott on the floor with his back against a beat-up couch. Everything. My mind gave me everything there when Scott Bulow said, just mention this story. Everything. My mind gave Scott a complete apartment. It even saw into the small kitchen with the dirty dishes in the sink. And this is all before I'd ever even been to Scott's apartment because I was just getting to know him. And he was on the floor. He wasn't sitting on the couch or in a chair listening to records, he was on the floor, reclining, you could say. So it's not the reclining, really, that is bringing the chiaroscuro, you know? I mean, I think, I think it's about what I know and what I don't know is what fills in the vacs, you know? I mean, even though I'd never been to Scott's apartment, I'd been to many apartments like it. My own was quite similar to the one I gave Scott in my mind. And that's why it was light in the room when Jesus was sitting in a chair at a table. I don't know about people. I do know about people sitting in chairs and going to other people's house and eating dinner. I've seen it a million times. But as soon as I learned that he was reclining, when my mind took away Jesus and Simon's chairs and lowered the table, I mean, they were lowered from having dinner at my aunt's house all the way down to first century Palestine, which I have no experience of. So my mind just dimmed everything darkened everything around the edges, took all the furnishings out of the room. I don't know what's in there. The context was completely lost for me. A little bit lost right now, I think, even. Um, I'm sorry, I just went on that whole thing about the mind and the apartment, Scott Bulow, I don't even know, you know. Anyway, I apologize. The whole reason I went on this rant was to help you with your mind's eye, you know, so, so you wouldn't put Jesus in a chair like I did. I'm just trying to help you out here, you know. And this is the line that I want to clarify here. It's the description of the woman in the story. I mean, can you believe all this rambling on and I've not even put the woman in the room yet? I've been describing a, a scene, this whole story, that's not even in the story. I was describing a situation before the woman entered the room, which is crazy because Luke doesn't describe Jesus and Simon in the room alone before the woman gets there. Luke finds the woman on the street and follows her into the room. So why is it important in my mind to see the room before she even gets there? Why does my mind do that? I don't know, but this is how it's always been with this story for me. The darkness of this room is somehow important to my mind in this story. Uh, here's the line that took away the chairs for me. And behold, a woman who in the city was a sinner. 
when she learned that he was sitting at a table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair, the hair of her head, and kissed her feet and anointed them with ointment. See, my mind always had a, a problem with that line. How can she be, like, standing behind him at his feet? I mean, if he's sitting in a chair at a table, and the woman's doing all this stuff at his feet, she's either, like, in front of him, like, under the table, or, like, down under the chair somehow, or I don't know, I just couldn't figure it out. Like, but when I found out about the reclining thing, it just solved the whole problem for me. It just it made it a lot easier. Jesus is lying down on his side so she could sort of like be standing behind him at his feet doing all this. Of course, her standing there is a little bit of a problem in my mind too because like, I don't know, does she have really long hair or I don't know, her tears fall and she aims them or I don't know how they get But I'm just going to let that one go, okay? I'm just going to let that one go. Let me turn to Simon the Pharisee. Why do I go there? I mean, really. Why won't I let this woman in the room? Why am I going back to Simon? My mind. So it's important in my mind to get the room right before she can come in. I think that's it. I think that's it. Simon is like across the table from Jesus, but, you know, not right up at the table. He's kind of far back from the table. On the other side, he's like almost to the wall, but, you know, there is no wall because it just all kind of fades into darkness. So he's there, just right at the edge of the darkness. And he is sinister. And he's sitting there, stroking his black beard and thinking. He's thinking sinister thoughts, right? He thinks, he thinks if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him. For she is a sinner. Okay, she's in the room now. I guess he brought her in. All right? He's in the room now, but only for the purposes of Sinister Simon here. All right? She's on the edge of the darkness, though, not, not in the light, in the center. My mind just will not let her in the room. Simon looks across the room from his place at the edge of the darkness, and, and she's just barely visible on the other side of the light, at the edge of the darkness, performing her acts of love at Jesus' feet. Barely visible to Simon. Simon, Jesus says, his face half in shadow, half in light, his right hand and forearm moving in and out of the light as he gestures. I have something to say to you. Jesus tells him a little teaching story. A creditor had two debtors, one owed 500, the other 50. When they could not pay, he forgave them both. Now, which of them will love him more? The one, I suppose, says Sinister Simon from the edge of the darkness, to whom he forgave more. You've judged rightly, Jesus says. And then the key line, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? The circle of light expands to include the woman completely and to include Simon completely. Jesus goes on to laud the woman's acts of love, pointing out that Simon's done nothing but sit stroking his oily beard suspiciously. Yes, Jesus tells Simon, she's had a great many sins, but they're forgiven. 
And because she has seen the love and that gracious forgiveness proceeds from her, she's felt love and she shows love. She loves freely because she has seen that she's loved freely. And Jesus speaks to this woman and acknowledges for the benefit of Simon what this woman already knows. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. And the circle of light shrinks again, and Simon thinks, who is this man who even thinks he can forgive sins? This, this is it, I think, my mind tells me. This is where the darkness comes from. This line, it's Simon. Simon is the one that's bringing the darkness. Simon's misunderstanding of the whole situation has painted almost the whole room black, leaving barely enough light to breathe. Simon has seen his power meeting that he had arranged with this teacher who's growing in prominence, this up-and-coming rabbi. He's seen this meeting interrupted by a whore who this teacher brought here, allowed to come into his home and to touch. He let the teacher let her touch him, soil him, blacken him. Her sins have blackened Jesus. And that this debauchery has happened in Simon's own house means that Simon is defiled as well. And he sees the teaching story of Jesus as no more than an excuse for this woman's behavior. He can barely believe that this woman, a woman that's not even related to him, a woman, this kind of woman, would even have the nerve to enter a Pharisee's house, to enter his house and bring this black mark on them all. That she could so flout the laws of decent society and moral righteousness is a proof to him of her depravity. And that Jesus would feign to forgive this woman's sins as a reward for this behavior is proof that he has been thoroughly infected by her as well. But Simon, Simon, poor, simple Simon, I see now that the room is only dark when seen from his side of the table. The room is not dark for Jesus, and the room is not dark for the woman. She's brought the light with her. Jesus, acting in love, tries to point out the beauty of the light and the love that she has brought into this house. Jesus says to Simon, do you see this woman? Can you see this woman? Can you see how much she loves? It's because she's been loved much and recognized that love, embraced the graciousness that love that God has expressed to everyone. Having recognized that love, she loves in return. She's been freed by love, for love. How is it that she can flout societal and religious conventions by entering a house that is not her father's or her husband's and anoint me with her tears? Because she is free to love as she wants to. She's been freed by love, and therefore she loves freely. These are not tears of repentance, she cries. She did not come here to beg forgiveness. 
These are tears of joy and acts of gratitude. She came here to love me because she has seen the love I have for her. Simon, she came to bear witness to that love for your sake, that you could see how much you're loved. She came in spite of its inappropriateness so that you could recognize that love and have faith in your own forgiveness and be freed by love so that you might love freely too. But poor Simon is in the darkness. It's dark from his side of the table, and he can't see the woman. He has no experience with women who are free or uh, free in their love. He can see only what he already knows. He can see only what he already knows, and that's mostly blackness with a little light. I want to pray for Simon, that he could have faith in the knowledge that he's forgiven. I want to pray that he would embrace the love that's expressed in that forgiveness so that he can live in the light of that love, so that he might love freely. Look around the room, Simon. There's a couch, there's a stereo, and plants, and flowers, and pictures, and a woman, and a savior. But Simon, he looks at me harshly. And the woman, she looks at me kindly. And I realize I brought the light and the darkness into this room. I made this room dark. I brought the darkness into this story. I look at her in her eyes and I ask, how do I know what I can't see?